topics covered here are for conversational purposes only and do not constitute financial advice. Please contact Mulcane Co. to receive advice on all matters from one of our professionals. Welcome, listeners, to the FS360 podcast. This is episode number 22, uh, and it's our first one for 2021. So welcome along, listeners. Um, you're here with host Gavin Nash, uh, and I'm here and joined today by uh, Antonia Gapes. Antonia is one of our financial planners up in the Sunshine Coast. Welcome, Antonia. Hi. Great to have you along. Thanks for, um, thanks for joining our first podcast for the year. Oh, my pleasure. Um, we're trying to tap into all of the professionals at Mulcane Co. over a period of time with the podcast. So um, there's sort of the best part of 150 staff with Mulcane Co. Australia-wide. So we'd like to tap in as best we can. And Antonia has actually um, helped me out as the marketing person here and written seven short articles that are, are all easily read, uh, nice and short and written for um, anyone out there. Um, they're all on our website, guys. So check out the news page on mulcahy.com.au and you can read the seven articles. Now, they're all about massive and uh, events in your life, basically, and how you can sort of plan for them financially. So um, today's episode, we're actually going to invite Antonio back two more times after today for the next two episodes. But uh, today we're going to concentrate on the latest stages of life, um, approaching retirement, that sort of thing. So um, the first... Uh, article is called Turning 60, Superannuation and the Financial Consideration. So as I said, up on the website, guys, but we're going to have a bit of a chat about it today, Antonia. So um, take us through the main points of the Turning 60 uh, and why is that a a big uh, uh, event to sort of worry about financially, Antonia? Yeah, I love the Turning 60 period for people. It's, It's a magical time where and I call it the twilight, where it's the only time if people are still working that we can get money into super as well as getting money out. So um, before you hit 60 or your preservation age, super is locked up and, and it's just a money in scenario. And when you retire, it becomes just a money out scenario. So this little period in between uh, when we reach preservation age, but certainly from the age of 60 when it's all tax-free, becomes a really interesting time that we can do some really good strategies to boost super balances. Um, and some of these, as a layperson, Antonia, of course I'm not a financial person and uh, all of our listeners will know that I'm sort of in the marketing area, but interesting that some of the rules change once you turn 60. So take us through some of, and, and even you've got a, a um, an example in there as well in, in the article. Yeah, so we've got, uh, the article is sort of written with Linda and Roger, um, but really what, what is important with this particular time in your life is you are still working and you're paying a marginal tax rate, usually we can work out a way to tax effectively reduce your taxable income and use that money to push over into your super um, instead of actually being as part of your taxable income. We can draw out your income stream from super if we need to make sure that what goes to the bank, your net pay, that you're still getting to pay your bills, etc., day to day, still remains the same. But for some people, they're also able to save. So we can factor all of that in. And that's where I suppose talking to people and working out exactly what their situation is, is important to work out how we can put those numbers together to come up with the right combination for that person and what they're trying to achieve. Great. And look, it it could be one of those things too, where people get to that age, Antonio, and they're not paying school fees and they're not, um, maybe they've paid their home loan off. So there's actually an opportunity to put a bit extra back in and save um, in that time. So yeah, and it sort of 
it is really a wake-up call saying, look, 60 is the time. Um, you'd love to talk about your, and think about your super a lot earlier than that, and hopefully everyone has, but turning 60 really is a turning point. Yeah, it is, because at 60, your income stream that we're taking out of super is actually tax-free. So um, we have a portion that we're pulling out of your super that is tax-free, which your taxable income is not tax-free. So that's where that supercharge um, to boost in your super balance comes into play. So it's what we call a, a transition to retirement strategy. And for some people, we look at it for a recontribution strategy if we're looking to really just supercharge the, the super balance. For others, it may be uh, that we're actually just looking to replace income because they're wanting to reduce work hours or maybe a situation has occurred where they have more living expenses than what they currently were, were um, had on the plate. So we're actually looking to supplement some income to them. So again, the strategy for a, a TTR can be to either supercharge your super or it can be to actually top up your day-to-day living. Great. It's sort of, um, I suppose it does bring home the idea of using a professional to assist you with this stuff, um, even some of the stuff you're talking about there, you know, I think a lot of our listeners will be going, oh, what does all that mean? So I suppose, yeah. like we always say on the podcast um, to our listeners, like get in touch, you know, sit down with one of our, finan- our financial planners um, uh, because this can be a really sort of, um, can make a big difference to your to your life and your retirement. So the idea is to sort yeah, of... Yeah, correct. It, it can be tricky to get your head, head around, Gav, but yep. um, I suppose when you do talk to an advisor... We're looking at all your numbers, so it, it's not general information that we, we go into. So we actually work out exactly where the numbers fall for you and your situation, and there is value in, in being able to do that rather than trying to get your head around the strategy, uh, which can be actually quite difficult to navigate through. And look, we're not here to badmouth accountants. You know, half of our staff are accountants, but often the accountant's role is to consider your tax return every year, or you know uh, that sort of more um, compliance-based, whereas what we're talking about here really is a strategy, you know, just saying, if I did this, then this is the tax implication. If I did this way, here's another way of doing it. Here's a way to make sure that you can, you know, you can include Centrelink in the whole thing. So, um, you know, uh, and and also your, or the the client's aims and goals are included too, you know, like, yeah, I want to work a bit less or I want to work a bit more. I want to have a crack for the next five years and then give up completely or whatever it is. So, Yeah, correct. And look, I will never bag an accountant either because uh, a good accountant is, is definitely worth their weight uh, in gold. But I don't do what accountants do. Uh, and as, as you said, accountants don't do what I do. So we are, we are very different um, goals that we actually can help clients with. But having said that, this particular um, turning 60, as I said, it is it is a life event. It should be celebrated because it's a time where we, we have limited time to be able to do some tricky things. And, it, and look, it is tricky, money in, money out, tax, taxable, what's not taxable, um, et cetera. But it is a time that we can actually do these little things. It all happens in the background um, once we set it up. It, it's not something that you have to manage and navigate right. that can actually deliver big retirement saving bonuses to what you've got in your super. And this is where I suppose, you know, you prob- our clients out there probably had uh, lots of uh, good interactions with their accountant over the years. This is an opportunity to get them involved in the strategy, um, get them talking the same language as your financial planner. Um, of course, up in the Son- Sunshine Coast office where you are, Antonio, you're all under the one roof uh, as we are at our other offices. So 
for you to have a chat to uh, a client's account is, is, is purely jumping, um, walking over to the next desk and having a bit of a chat to them. So that can really sort of, um, having everything under the one roof can really assist that this situation as well. Yeah, most definitely. That's great. Um, now, Antonio, did you want to run people through the, the scenario you've got there with Linda and Roger or is it sort of more something that we'd like people to go and have a read and, and understand that way? Yeah, I think um, I think the point with Linda and Roger was uh, I met these guys when uh, Linda was uh, not quite hitting uh, her 60s so, and Roger was already there. So Linda was 59, Roger was 63. And the point to note there is, is, is these are working class people. These are not... Um, people that are earning millions of dollars, they're, they're working class people. But Roger, because we got to him when he was age 63, we missed out on three years of this strategy and it's, and it's time we can't get back, which is why we like to talk to people anywhere from 57 is a good age to start having this conversation so that we get, um, we get you there right from the time you, you hit those birthdays that we can implement the strategy so we don't have any time that we're missing opportunities and, and we can't go back retrospectively. So it's good to be on the front foot with that that idea. So for Roger, we were able to do that strategy and um, it was a re-contribution strategy. For Linda, the consideration was she was a nurse, um, so on her feet, long hours, etc. And so for her, it was really about how can I, oh, I'm happy to keep working for a number of years, but I just don't think I've got it in me to do the same amount of hours for that period of time. So for her, we use that transition to retirement strategy to actually reduce her work hours, but maintain the income coming into the household. Right. Because it's not everyone at 57's, you know, got rid of the home loan, for example. There may be uh, needs for Linda there to make sure that she still had, uh, you know, that same amount of income coming in. Yeah, for some people, it's, it's really important that we make sure that the, the amount that comes into the bank account is the same, but for others, they do have capacity to save. And so the conversation actually will tell us as to whether we've got more that we can throw into the, the idea of a recontribution strategy or whether it, it's just a strategy that sits in the background on its own and everything else from uh, what goes into the bank account remains the same for the client. Perfect. Um, and what... Like, what would you call the overall benefit at the end of, of this sort of turning 60 and doing the plan? Um, look, you know, or what was the overall benefit, I suppose, for Linda and Roger? Yeah, so if we look at, um, and incidentally, I'm, we're preparing for a, a transition to retirement seminar that we're doing in April in our office. And so I've actually worked up three different case studies as well. So... You know, generally we do see just the, the transition to retirement strategy on its own for people that are earning around that in between that eighty to a hundred thousand, it can be anywhere from forty five thousand just on that transition to retirement. So the stuff that's happening in the background with the taxable income. If we've got more that we can add in with further contributions that we can add to the scenario, then you know, we can actually see true advantage as well beyond that sort of 40, 45,000 that we're getting into super that would normally not have gone into super and we've just been going to the tax man. Right. And, and I suppose that the thing is to make best use of that because um, you know nobody loves to pay tax and we understand it's part of life. But um, if, if you can reduce that uh, over your last few years of working, but it also benefits your super and your long-term finances, you know, um, why wouldn't you do it, I suppose? Yeah, and that's exactly, and that is exactly right. It, it's something that, for the most part, once we set it up, 
um, it does happen in the background. So um, it's money that is going to super that ordinarily uh, wouldn't be going to super. And 45000 uh, extra over a few years um, certainly does, if you're going to be on an age pension, it certainly adds to what your total retirement income is going to be, which is what we're looking to achieve. We're looking to make sure that we can maximise your retirement savings so that you've got good income stream when you are retired. And look, the uh, example you give in the article, um, Antonia, is that Linda had about 120000 in super, you know, so if you, she can boost that by forty five between... 57 and 65, that's a huge, um, you know, uh, percentage that's gone in there um, just in those last few years of work, um, you know. Yeah, and, correct. Yeah, so there's lots of um, advantages to doing it. That, um, that seminar, um, Antonio, just, it's, you're having a seminar at the Sunshine Coast office to talk about basically almost turning 57, aren't you? You know, saying once you're around that 57 age, this is the time we can start planning. So you're inviting lots of, yeah. lots of people into that free seminar up there in April? Without a doubt. It, it is a magical time hitting that, hitting your preservation age and approaching age 60. It is the time to, if you haven't sat with an advisor or even just had a conversation, it is certainly time to, to at least have a conversation and look at what the opportunities are for you. Uh, which is why we're we're kicking off our seminars with this particular age group uh, that we want to focus on the opportunities. And look, I suppose if you're listening to this and you're of the younger age group and you've got a parent or uh, an auntie or an uncle that you're close with that is getting to that age and you're not sure if they've done their planning or not, you know, send send them along to the Sunshine Coast um, seminar or or you know if you, if you're near one of our other offices, send send uh, your loved one in because I think it's. Um, Definitely something that a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people don't put enough time and effort into thinking about that age. Um, probably a lot of people think about retirement ar- at around that 65 mark, don't they, Antonia? And sometimes it's too they late do. to do anything. Yeah. So. Correct. If we, if we can see you before you hit age 60, uh, we can do some some pretty cool things if you're still working. Happy days. That's great. So that's um, so as I said, guys, uh, listeners, there's uh, seven short articles. That's one called Turning 60, Superannuation and the Financial Considerations. Um, moving on to one of the other articles, um, we've, we've in- call, called that one About to Retire. Um, take us through, um, so we're sort of moving on in the years toward from your 57 to 60 up to you're about to retire. What considerations do people need to um, take into account there? Yeah, this, this um, article actually showcases Don, and Don is a very typical um, scenario. He's not uncommon, in as much as um, again he's worked. He was he was earning around that eighty seven thousand. He had a decent amount in super, three hundred and eighty thousand in super. Owned his own home, um, and so was in a comfortable position. But Don was just at, he couldn't work out whether he had enough to be able to retire. His fear was that he wouldn't have enough money to um, last his, his full life expectancy and beyond. And that was what was actually causing him to not be able to make a decision as to whether he could retire because he just feared running out of money. And it's a really common theme that we see for most clients that we're talking to. Um, and so for Don, the other thing was he was very risk adverse. He, he certainly, um, his idea, perfect world would be as soon as he retired, pull his money out of super and, and put it in the bank where it was nice and safe and he didn't have to worry about uh, market volatility and things that get tweeted and go bump in the night. So Don, um, for him, what we actually looked at were a few considerations, but again, this is very specific to Don. What we looked at was, okay, can we show you what you would actually be able to live on if you were to pull up stumps now with what you've got in super? 
what does that look like um, for your life expectancy plus a little bit extra? You obviously want to make sure that you're not worried about hitting life expectancy and going beyond. Um, and from there, we actually look at strategies that are palatable for Don to be invested well and staying in the market. We know that if uh, customers pull their, their money to cash, they're going to go backwards over time. So being well invested is a really important factor to consider for people like Don. So for him, we looked at uh, an annuity, which was a guaranteed income stream for his lifetime. So that ticked a, you know, a big green box. We also looked at guaranteeing his money that was being invested in super. So it was like an insurance product that we put on his super balance from market volatility. So again, we had him well invested, well above cash rates. Um, and we also looked at uh, his pension entitlement, which for a lot of Australians, they are going to be um, relying on some sort of Centrelink uh, entitlement. So for Don, we actually looked at um, how we could uplift his pension entitlement. So with those strategies, all of that actually made it that we were able to um, elevate what he was getting from an aged care uh, pension. And so obviously longevity of his personal savings uh, could actually go longer because he was getting more coming through from the pension amount. And I think that risk averse um, is not uncommon. Like I've got my own, uh, you know, um relations at that age especially if they've never been in the share market before or whatever or they've had limited sort of access to it and then they hear of things like um you know the gfc and covid and things like that happening over yeah. time they they just get stressed out by it so um you know it's not it's not um it's certainly don wouldn't be uncommon there'd be a lot of people in that boat that are worried about you know well what if i put all my money into shares is is some pyramid scheme going to come along and take it all? So this is the sort of stuff when people aren't in financial um, markets their whole life. They just don't know, do they? Yeah, correct. And and you're right. They've lived through it. They've lived through a GFC. They've seen what it did to either themselves or their parents if they were retired. I mean, the GFC certainly spooked a lot of people in, in the age group that are retiring now. And that's their greatest fear. Well, if that happened again and I'm retired, like what would happen? So having strategies that put um, the fear of volatile, volatility in markets to the side to allow you to be well invested. And I think, Gav, that's the key catchphrase there is, is how are you invested? You should be well invested that you consider these big events that can and do arise from, from time to time. Certainly, you know, they aren't yearly events, but we do provision for the fact that we know that there are going to be some big bumps that happen in the markets, but what are we doing for our clients to be able to see that journey through. We know statistically that if you are able to to ride out that volatility in the markets, you're in a better position than those people who ended up having to pull up stumps and sell out because they, they couldn't do the emotional journey of, of that kind of an event. So you're right, volatile markets are definite considerations for people who are retired. And if you think about it, they've got the most to, to at risk. It's the most amount of money they'll ever have in their life when you're, when you're in retirement. And so anything that's going to shake that is going to be really felt. And the old uh, adage of, oh, well, I'll just, I'll just work a bit harder or I'll, you know, I'll go back to work and I'll do this and that. Well, that might not be an option once you're 71 years old or whatever. Like you might, you may love a bit of work here and there and be able to get some, but you might not be able to get any work. You may be not in a physical state to work. So the old idea of, oh, well, if I haven't got enough, I'll work a bit harder, that's gone. So you can see why people get a bit nervous. And the other thing is, yeah. Antonio, like what you're talking about, which is, staying invested in the market throughout retirement is something that some people may not have even thought about. I think a lot of people think once you hit super, all this cash from your super just goes into the bank and you start spending it. 
um, until it hits zero. So that's certainly not, um, as you say, cashing out. Um, but certainly not a great strategy. So um, staying in the market, no protecting future yourself. Future you will be very well. unhappy with that with that scenario because you will be going backwards. I mean, if we just look at the simple numbers of okay, if you've got money sitting in the bank. The bank's not rewarding people for holding cash. We're looking at very low interest rates. And if we look at you know, CPI 2.3, 2.4%, I don't see any bank uh, offering that in-term deposit uh, holding rates at the moment. So you can see easily year on year you are going backwards with, with the idea of putting it in the bank in a term deposit or you know whatever the high interest rate is that you want to try to find. So staying invested is a great idea, but you know with those safeguards in place that you mentioned that sort of Don was very happy to take on um, because it sort of protected him, I suppose, from these larger events as well as, um, you know, market fluctuations as well as anything else. And, and, he, and he didn't have to cash out then and just sort of end up with a, a savings account that he spends week to week, you know. For Don, yeah, but the idea of an annuity um, and a guarantee certainly what uh, delivered what we were looking to achieve for, for him because he was a he was very risk adverse. And that's the, the point to make is that, finding out what your comfort level of how you'd like to be invested and, and well invested for very different people um, will look different as well. So for Don, this was the way that we could have him well invested, that he was comfortable, he could sleep comfortably at night. If a GFC style event um, arose again, we wouldn't be having sleepless nights over that. So, And that's the important piece that we need to, to work on with clients is how can they make sure that they are enjoying those retirement years and not stressing about what the markets are doing. And let's let's all um, let's all uh, reflect on those retirement years. Should be enjoyable, shouldn't they? I mean, we've all worked hard all our lives. Maybe brought up some kids and had a family and worked um, and paid tax all those years. So, it, you know, if you can work um, your finances so that it is a, a more of a carefree, worry-free time, that's what you deserve after all those years of work. For sure. <laughs> but so that's about to retire, guys. We've got we've got three articles up um, dealing with this part of um, life, um, getting towards retirement. The third one is called Dealing with Aged Care. Um, and this is a really interesting one, Antonia, uh, when I sort of read through, uh, is that there was just a whole lot of things there that I just didn't know that you could do or, or, or seek help with a financial planner. So take us through um, Dealing with Aged Care article. Yeah, so this what we see with aged care is um, a lot of people are – are dealing uh, on the back foot. So usually something has happened to a parent uh, and they're needing to actually find aged care very quickly. Timelines exist for hospitals, aged care providers that they have to work within. Usually it's 28 days with a hospital, 28 days with an aged care provider before things need to be signed off and, and decisions are made. So families who are, you know, mum's had a fall, now we need to put into aged care. It's, it's a very quick time to be making decisions and a lot of acronyms get thrown around, RAD, DAPS and, and whatnot. And, and the question is, goodness, we've got to find somewhere for mum or dad. In this case, it was for Tammy's mum. And how do we come up with the, the residential fee to actually house mum? So uh, usually what we're seeing is a really emotional state for, for all members. Uh, and we're also seeing that we're... we're thinking about how do we come up with the funds to actually get uh, mum into aged care for, for Tammy. So Tammy actually did work in, a, in an aged care centre. So she actually had seen the difference between uh, people who had come through and had been to see an advisor and those who hadn't. And aged care is another environment where uh, hindsight isn't your friend. Setting things up and dealing with 
Centrelink and how you're assessed, it's much easier to do it from uh, the first run at it than to go back and actually make changes to how things have been reported, right. which is uh, first point. The second point is we would commonly see that if uh, a room accommodation fee was 450000 mum maybe had 300000 in the bank, one of the children or a combination of the kids might want to try to throw in the extra amount just to pay the fee. And that's a really common theme that we see. Um, and usually there's maybe one or two of the kids who can't be a part of that because they're not in that uh, financial position to be able to assist. In this case, Tammy was going to put in the extra money to come up with the fee. Um, and it meant that at the time mum passes, all of that money does get refunded back to the estate. And that's the important piece there. Tammy's money would actually be returned to the estate and then it would go through the will. So if Tammy's mum had a 50-50 with her and her brother, which it was, it meant that the brother was actually going to be um, the the receiver of half of that money that Tammy had put into the room seat. Which, right, okay. Uh, when people find that out, they were quite shocked. But yes. So thinking about family situations that you know, if there's a way of restructuring and looking at how we can actually afford the, the accommodation and keeping assets separate, so children and parents' assets separate, um, it is part of the equation that we look at for clients. And that was the overall, that was the uh, end result with Tammy, wasn't it, in, this, in the um, article that you've given the example? Um, it was you were yeah. able to keep Tammy's money out of, the, uh, out of her mum's affairs altogether? Correct. And, and the other questions that we look at are, okay, well, if it's, if there is a family home that's now going to be empty, it, we actually model out, okay, if you rent that out, if you keep the house, if you um, sell the house, what are the options and how does this actually look for mum with the financials over a period of time? And what we were able to show Tammy was, based on what she was thinking, uh, we could actually keep mum in aged care, um, residential care, for six years before anyone would need to tip in any money, that she could actually fund that herself. So... That became a really easy catalyst for Tammy to go make decisions and start proceeding with what she needed to do to sign contracts and make decisions for how she was going to put mum into care. Six years too, that's, that's, a, that's a good amount of time because I've been through this myself uh, with my parents going into aged care, Antonia, and, and it's, a, it's, it's such a stressful time just deciding where they're going to live or what's going to happen, who's going to cook their meals, how it all works because there's different levels of aged care, of course based on health situations. So there's all that to worry about, let alone, oh, well, if I chip this money in, some of it's going to go back to the will. You know, there's all those other things. That's Putting that in place gives them six years to sort of, you know, chew through some of those details if they need to. Yeah, for sure. And look, the other, the other scenario does happen as well. Sometimes we're looking at accommodation fees that, that are just unaffordable. We can see that the money will run out um, after year three. So... Statistic, and we do work with statistics a lot in financial planning. Statistically, we know that the life expectancy in aged care is around three to five years. So we, we look to model that we can afford at least that period and a little bit beyond so that we're, we're trying to demonstrate that this can be a fully funded from uh, the parents' assets rather than having to include any tip-ins from anyone else. Because I can imagine people tipping in, and you know, some some siblings tipping in, and the other ones not. Uh, that that can cause a whole lot of angst within a family as well. You know that um, just because you can't tip in financially doesn't mean you don't love mum just as much. That sort of thing. So I can assume in this situation, dealing with aged care, which is the article we're talking about, is there's some 
all these financial implications, but there's all those emotional implications too that you probably don't have about your retirement, things we spoke about earlier in this episode. But this particular one, you're dealing with, you know, you know, how much do you care for your parents or whatever, you know. So it's there's a lot to sort of take on. So that's, I suppose, getting a financial planner involved in that plan is just also more important. Um, and, you know, there's just no easy way to do to say to a parent or to make that decision to get them into aged care but once it's done and if, and if the finances can be looked after um it's less of a headache for everybody yeah for sure i mean value advice for aged care it is actually valuable because being making sure that you're reporting to centrelink the assets and income and how they will be assessed for all their means tested fees will be important to how the affordability actually tracks out for for people going into aged care. And if anyone out there has dealt with Centrelink before, it's not always easy to keep up to date with all the latest <laughs> things, but thankfully you and your team do uh, from a financial planning point of view, Antonia, and that's the idea too. Yeah, get that professional involved and uh, assist with you know getting uh, through to that next stage of age, you know, dealing with the aged care system within Australia. Um, but I must admit, like uh, my own experiences, once, once my father went into aged care, he was so well looked after you know i think that sometimes the you know uh, i was just talking to a friend the other day she same things happened with her parents gone in just recently and she said that you know the load is lifted off because you, you kept you know you by the time they almost get to aged care you're in there every day sort of calling in on them making sure they take medication you know giving them a hand with showering whatever it is while they're still at home and once they do go into aged care it can be a real sort of load off your mind i suppose um so it can be uh, and and sometimes you know um, not 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 many of the age older elderly people love the idea of going into aged care. Some do, but but once they're in there, their their mind changes. You know, um, my friends mentioned that the other day. I found that with my own father that once he actually got in there, he actually quite liked it. You know, because there was people in there looking after him. There's people cooking his food, cleaning, washing his clothes. So from that point of view, it can be a a hurdle to jump getting a, a loved one into aged care, but it can be something that um, is a positive as well. So if you can get all those finances sorted in the background, makes life a lot easier, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and you're right, Gav. Aged care providers have come a long way and so many of our parents who are you know, in that older category, when you, they think of uh, a nursing home, uh, quite often it's very, very different uh, than what we're seeing. I've been to all of the aged care homes on the coast and um, I can say that the providers have come a long way with... Uh, how they present, how they feel, what they're offering uh, to residents. So um, aged care of now, it is, it is a changing space uh, than what it was you know, 20, 30 years ago. And there's even a few providers, I know my mother-in-law has gone into one, which is sort of an independent living. So she's still working a few days a week, but the house, the home was becoming a bit of a maintenance issue and uh, time and effort to keep it up to date living by herself. So it's an assisted living setup where you're still independent. You don't need nurses. You don't. No one comes and checks on you. You just got basically like a little apartment. But then next door, yep. run by the same organisation. Next door is aged care. So she sort of understands that if she ever had a fall or needed something in in later years, she's in her early seventies now. So um, that it's she can just move in next door. She's already in the system, you know. So there's even some steps yeah. involved between going from you're not going from home to a nursing home. Sometimes you might be jumping into an independent living situation in between but all those these financial implications we're talking about is relevant for both so yeah yeah definitely 
That's great. And hopefully our listeners have got a lot out of those three um, articles, Antonio. And I'd welcome anyone to jump onto the website under the news section, uh, mulkay.com.au, and, and have a bit of a read. Um, uh, the seven, well, there's seven of them all together. We've covered three today. We're going to cover two next week and two the week after with our special guest, Antonio. So thanks for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for the invite. No, that's okay. Um, now, I'm going to throw something in that we didn't plan, Antonia, just uh, at the end here. We have got a couple of segments. So one's called 22 Things We Have Learned in 22 Years of Business. So this is years our um, 22nd year of business at Mulcahy Co. So I'm going to throw in there. Actually, I'll play a little bit of music for our 22 things. <laughs> here we go. Right, so 22 things, and I think the thing we've learnt today is that if you hit 57, you need to see a financial planner. Would you, would you Without a doubt, that? it's a great time, absolutely great time to have a conversation. 57 is the time? Well, well before that can be a good time. But if you haven't and you're still worried about your, um, your coming into retirement, 57 is the time. So there's a seminar happening on the Sunshine Coast if you're up there, guys. Um, otherwise, uh, in April with Mulcahy Co., Sunshine Coast, um, get in touch with us and we can put you onto that. Otherwise, um, yep, 57, get in touch with your financial planner. Um, and our last one is um, what I'm going to call win of the week. Do you like my little bits of music, Antonio? They're good, aren't they? They're all on my little, um, they're all on my little <laughs> podcasting sort of you know deck here. But the win of the week, I think, is these case studies that you've put on our website uh, under the they're sort of within the articles. So I'd sort of encourage um, any of our listeners to jump on and have a bit of a read through because they're written in a really simple way for everybody to understand. Um, you've done a great job of those, and there's some case studies in there. So you might actually. Find out what your super balance is yourself and put yourself in Tammy's shoes, as we spoke about, or, or Roger's shoes or uh, Don's shoes or whatever in those um, articles. So the win of the week, I think, is those case studies within the articles because I think they're a, a great way to um, sort of compare how you're going uh, and look at somebody else that's in your situation. And they're all real real um, case studies, so they're all sort of people that Antonio has come across over time, so um, they're um, they're great to have a bit of a read through, so I'd encourage anyone to do that as well. Well, that's it for episode 22, Antonio. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. Um, and a lot of uh, today's, um, uh, well, today's topics really sort of come under um, the FS360 um are you financially secure? It, it's our 12 steps to success here at Mulcanco. So it's for anyone from an individual to a business owner. Um, but there's 12 steps to, this is what we call the podcast FS360. So today was a lot about retirement plan, um, which is one of the 12 steps. So uh, yeah, so if, if you're not aware of the FS360 and what all that means, it's all on the homepage of our website, mulcay.com.au. And it's all about assisting our clients to become financially secure over time. So um, that's what we're here for and that's why we exist. So thanks again for your time today, Antonia. And uh, we look forward to speaking with you again next week. Yeah, talk soon. Thanks, Gav. Thank you. You've been listening to the FS360 podcast brought to you by Mulcahy Co. Financial Security 360 is at the centre of what we do at Mulcahy Co. If you'd like to speak to one of our professionals about a range of individual and business needs, give us a call.